Come on, we can do better than that. Can we give God a hand clap of praise today? The God that woke you up this morning, the God that breathed his own breath into your lungs, he is truly worthy of the glory and the honor. Amen? Listen, if you don't mind, grab your Bibles real quickly. I won't have you stand much longer. For those who are able to stand, please do stand as we stand out of reverence of God's holy word. And if you can find your way to John, the gospel according to John chapter 11, I am so grateful to be here today. I see some people that got off a cruise ship with me in the house. Amen. I'm excited. Look, we tell about Jesus everywhere we go. I'm excited to them being here. Listen, I'm excited and thankful for Brother Dan. Some of you may not have known it, but Brother Dan was in the hospital basically all week long. And I was praying for him once I found out. And listen, uh, some people don't come to church just because it's raining outside, but this man got out of the hospital on yesterday, and he's here serving on today. And so I am truly grateful for that, and I'm still yet praying for your full recovery. Amen. Listen, let's go to the gospel according to John chapter 11. We're going to begin at verse 1. Once you got it, say, I got it. Can you repeat after me? Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said Amen. Listen, this is the word of the Lord. If you don't have a Bible, it should be on the screen. I'm going to read the first four verses of this text for you today. Uh, This is a familiar passage that begins by saying, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with, with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness is not to the end and death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. I want to read that verse one more time. But when Jesus heard this, when he got the news, He said, this this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. For a moment today, as we lift up this text, I simply want to title this message, Don't Doubt Greater. You may be seated in this place, Don't Doubt Greater. Listen, y'all are going to get tired of this word greater because we're going to scream it and proclaim it. Uh, for the next three years, talking about what God is doing in our lives. And we're not just talking about greater is going to take three years to get there. We're going to begin to see greater manifest day in and day out. Greater is going to fuel us to continue to push forward every day from this day forward. Amen? Listen, so when we talk about this, I want you to understand that greater doesn't just apply to this church as a building. It applies to this church as the individual. It applies to everyone that makes up this body. God is preparing and ready and willing to do great things in your life. But the biggest problem is we doubt them. The biggest problem is day in and day out, we doubt what God is able and ready and willing to do in our lives. And we're dealing with a passage today, a familiar passage, a well-known text about a young man named Lazarus. 
Uh, we all know Lazarus because he was the individual uh, that was said to have died, and as he died, he was rose. Our heavenly, our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, showed up on the scene and raised Lazarus from the dead. This was nothing less than a miracle. Uh, see, a miracle is that thing that's beyond your comprehension. A miracle is that thing that you have no power or control of. A miracle is that thing that they said can't be done, but yet and still it was done anyway. See, for us, greater is a miracle. There are some things that God is preparing to do in our lives and ready to do in our lives that we are calling and claiming greater that only God can do. The problem is that we have seen it, we've peeked at it, we know that it's there, but the issue is that we are steady putting our hands on what God is trying to do. We're steady getting in the way. We're steady saying, you know what, God, I think I have a better way to figure this out myself. I think I can make this happen myself. Many of us fail to understand and remember and realize that greater does apply to us. But if you ever question that, you can find yourself in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, one of those famous scriptures that simply says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Amen? He says there in the text that he has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That sounds like God has something greater in store for all. If God has a plan to prosper me, that means that at some point in time, I may have been perishing. If God has a plan to, to not harm me, that means there's something in my life that has caused me pain, and he wants to ensure that that doesn't happen to me again. If God has a plan uh, to give me hope and a future, that means my past might have been full with a whole bunch of mess. And so here it is that in the text we're going to understand that greater does apply to us. Our biggest mistake, our biggest mistake as believers is that we fail to believe that God's plan is for us to succeed. We believe that God's plan is for us to suffer. Uh, we don't think that God really has our best interests at heart. And as a result of it, we kind of rebel against God day in and day out. It's, it's not just you, it's we. This includes me, too. There's some things that God has said, listen, Chris, you're going to have it. Just because he's not moving fast enough, sometimes I try to make it happen. After all, God, you said I'm going to have it, so you wouldn't stop me from doing it my way. Uh, we can fix it when I get there if I did something wrong, but let me go ahead and get it how I got to get it. The problem is that when I put my hands on it, it contaminates it. There's something about when it's in God's hand, it's pure, it's holy, it's righteous. But when I go and I start digging and grabbing into my future for what I want and not waiting for God to give it to me in the time that he, it, I end up taking what's precious and I end up destroying it. Uh, you know, I, I grew up and I, back in the day, my grandmother, one of my grandmothers used to collect like these little figurines. These little figurines, Bible figurines, the little choir figurines, all these figurines, this, this would go over our house, and there would be figurines all over the shelf. And as a kid, they looked like a toy to me. I, I didn't understand how valuable these figurines were. I didn't understand how much they meant to her and the different things. And so sometimes I would go over, and I would grab a figurine and try to play with it. I would grab a figurine and act like I'm directing the choir. I would, I would mess with it. And Grandma would come out of the room and say, baby, don't touch that. And she would tell me not to touch that because I'm not old enough. She said, I don't understand what these are here for, and, and what would happen is one day, I didn't listen. One day I went over to Grandma's house and I was playing with the figurines. They looked like any other toy that I've ever played with before. I've, I've dropped them on the floor. I pick them back up. I can play with them again. But one day, Grandma snuck out of the room on me and scared me. 
And when she snuck out of the room and scared me, I dropped that figurine. And here it was, this toy that I thought was something I can play with, shattered into several pieces. It was that day that I understood how precious those figurines was. My little tail couldn't take that whooping that I got that day. She, she had told me that I was not ready for it, but yet and still I wanted to play with it. She said, you can't handle this. The hands that you're trying to use this is not what this for. You cannot deal with this right now. This is not a toy. What if God is telling you what you're trying to get? You're ready to treat it like a toy, but it's really a tool. What you're trying to get, you're trying to place in your hands right now, but the thing is your mindset isn't ready to handle what God is trying to give you. He wants to give you greater, but you, you steady want to settle for the gutter. He wants to take you higher, but you're okay with being at the lowest. We have to fix the way we think. We have to fix the way we, we, we receive what it is that God has planned for us because if we can't get our minds right, then our bodies will never function right. Our spirit will never get right. And we can't, we can't dare to say that we are worthy to receive whatever it is that God is trying to give us. Here it is in the text. The disciples have been walking with Jesus for quite some time. Been walking with Jesus long enough for relationships to form, for people to understand who Jesus loves and, and how much they mean to Jesus. And Jesus gets news that Lazarus is about to die. He gets news that Lazarus is about to die, uh, but Jesus doesn't get in any hurry. He doesn't get in the hurry. Matter of fact, the Bible says after he got the news, he stayed where he was a couple of more days. And after he was there a couple of more days, he decided that now is the appropriate time for me to move on and do what I need to do. The problem is that when he said he was going to leave his disciples, they began to talk. Because he had to go through this land called Judah. And on his way through that land, they understood that the Jews were already out to kill him. The Jews were already out to persecute them, and so the disciples, being men, not understanding, not comprehending the power that was associated with Jesus Christ, they said, listen, do you really want to go back that way right now? I mean, why should we go back? They, you know they're out to get you. Why do you want to put yourself in harm's way? Can I, can I tell you for a moment that it wasn't the disciples looking out for Jesus. They was really looking out for themselves. They didn't want to go back through the struggle. They didn't want to go back through the pain. They didn't want to go back through the attack. See, that's, that's how many of us act day in and day out. We're not trying to figure a solution out for God. We're trying to figure it out for ourselves because we don't want to go back through the struggle. We don't want to go back through the pain. We don't want to be alone. We don't want to be broke. We don't want to go through the hardship. So as a result of it, we'll try to talk God out of it. We'll try to talk God out and say that has to be another way. Jesus decides to push on, pushes on. When we get to the end of the text, we know that he runs into Mary and he runs into Martha. They both come to him at a different point in time, weeping and crying, frustrated about the fact that, Jesus, you've taken so long to get here. You claim that you love my brother. And if you really loved my brother, then you would have been here early because he's dead now. We've buried him. And Jesus consoles both of them in their own way. We'll get to that later. At the end of the text, Lazarus, a dead man, rises from the grave. 
a dead man rises from the grave, not simply because there was weeping involved, not simply because there was, was struggles involved, but the fact of the matter is if we remember at the very beginning of the text, Christ himself says, the sickness will not end in the death of him. So your ladder is already planned for you. What God wants to do for you is already there. You just have to be willing to get there with him. Lazarus wasn't going to raise without Jesus. Uh, if, if Lazarus and Mary, if Mary and Martha decide not to let Jesus in, there would be no story about Lazarus raising up out of the grave. There were some things that transpired in the process that got us to where we are today, that got Lazarus to being the individual that we talk about day in and day out, that he was raised from the grave. But I, before I can even get to the miracle, I have to help you understand that God really has greater for you. See, many of us can't wrap our head around this concept of greater because we don't understand the composition of greater. We don't understand exactly what greater entails and why greater applies to us. We don't understand it because many of us have not truly experienced it enough to recognize it. In the text, Jesus says how he makes greater. I believe he makes it like a good pound cake. He has all the right ingredients that he puts in at all the right times. Mixes up all the right ways, bakes it all at a certain temperature, just so that it could be moist and delicate. Oh, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> as it could possibly be. So here it is. The first thing that we understand, if you really want to understand why God has greater for you, you have to understand that God's love represents his greater for you. In the text, the first thing that we see in verse 5 and 6, the Bible says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard there was, that he was sick, he then stayed there two days longer in the place where he was. The first thing that it says is Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Before he even gets there, before he even does what he's going to do, he identifies the fact that I love you. I love you so much that I want the best for you. I love you so much that I wouldn't lie to you. I love you so much that I would never leave you. I love you so much that because I love you, I want greater for you. It's the first thing that I, I, I discovered when I really understood what love was. Love doesn't want to hurt you. Love doesn't want to leave you. Love doesn't want to let you down. See, as young folks, we, we would walk around and we would just tell anybody, I love you. We would tell them I love you because it would get us what we want when we wanted it. And as a result of hearing the wrong people telling you, I love you, we have gotten a misunderstanding of what love really is. Love ain't going to lie to you. Love ain't going to cheat on you. Love ain't going to leave you. Love ain't going to disrespect you. Love ain't going to put you down. Love is always going to be there for you right when you need them. When someone loves you, you're always on their mind. So when we begin to think that God has greater for us, we have to understand that God has love for us. If we can realize that God has love for us, then maybe we can wrap our heads around the fact that God obviously has a plan for us. See, when I was younger, I had an issue with my parents. I love you, Daddy. I'm glad you're here today. But I had an issue with them because I thought they were the biggest haters in the world. I felt like they was old. They couldn't have fun. They couldn't live life. And as a result of it, they wanted to keep me down. 
I didn't understand that their love for me was what was trying to guide me and direct me to keep me from running my head into a wall. I saw there's some walls that I had to run my head into along the way. Why? Because I doubted their love. When we doubt God's love, we put ourselves in some situations we shouldn't put ourselves in. We run ourselves into some walls we shouldn't run ourselves in. Why? Because as a result of doubting greater, we are doubting God's love. Before God can do anything in your life, I need you to understand that God truly loves you. This is not something that people just say us. This is not something that we make up. The very fact that you're here, no matter what you went through, God still loves you. I want to make sure that you understand this. Lazarus literally died. It was not a, a metaphor. He died. And as a result of it, God did something miraculous in his life. Just because God loves you does not mean that you won't come under attack. Just because God loves you doesn't mean that you're not going to have some bad days. Doesn't mean that you're not going to get ill. Doesn't mean that your money ain't going to get funny. There's going to be some issues in your life, but through it all, you have to remember what? God loves me. If we can begin to put that first, day one, when I wake up, God loves me. The fact that I'm here today shows that God loves me. It puts me in a whole different place. Y'all women know what I'm talking about. When y'all get that boo thing that love y'all, at least he say he love y'all, y'all just go to work smiling, eyes lit up. Y'all got your makeup, hair done, clothes fresh. It's everything that changed. But the minute that something goes wrong and he ain't there, y'all eating a whole tub of ice cream, calling everybody, trying, trying to figure that thing out. But as long as your love's on top, you Okay. You got the one person that will love you and never leave you. Why can't that be enough for you to live like you're supposed to live? For every man and woman here, you don't need a man or woman to complete you. You don't need money to complete you. The one thing that completes you is God and God alone. The whole purpose that you were created is for the relationship that he sought out to have with you. It's amazing how we neglect the most important relationship trying to fill it with everything else. In order for you to get greater, you first have to realize that the first ingredient is God's love. Second ingredient that we come to understand is not only do we have God's love, but we have to realize that greater takes God's love mixed with God's knowledge. See, God understands things that we don't understand. Verse 6 told us that he stayed there two more days. When we look at verse 7 and 8, it goes in and says, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, in other words, teacher, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? The disciples who are supposed to be what? Followers of Christ are now questioners of Christ. Ooh, that's an issue. When a follower begins to, to question when a follower begins to question their leader, it shows that we have a distrust in his leadership. When you doubt greater, you may not only be doubting God's love, but you may also be doubting God's knowledge. You may be doubting the fact that God has the best interest for you. You may be doubting the fact that God knows what's best for you. I'm back to my story. My Hayden parents, even though I know they love me now, 
uh, I was doubting the fact that they knew how to live in the 21st century. I, I was doubting the fact that they understood what it meant to be 16 when I was 16. I thought enough had changed. I mean, yeah, maybe a couple of tennis shoes have changed. I'm wearing Jordans. They used to wear dope mans. I, I don't know. A couple of things had flipped, but I didn't think they understood what it meant to be cool. I didn't think they understood what it meant to, to be accepted, to fit in. I didn't under think that they understood what it meant to be the top of the top. I felt like all they wanted me to do was work hard and struggle like them. See, now as a grown man, I understand that struggle was for my future. I understand that that struggle was to, to pay for my education. I understand that that struggle was to put food in my mouth. I understand it, but it took me to, to have kids to understand it. See, that was a lesson I could have got way back then. It could have changed the way I did things. I may have would have saved up a few coins before I had my little crumb snatchers. So I, I wouldn't be living paycheck to paycheck. I, I, I would have changed some things so that my future could be a little different. But I didn't want to listen to the knowledge. I didn't want to listen to the knowledge. Matter of fact, my saying used to be, this is my life. I'll live it my way. My daddy would always have a follow-up. It's my way or the highway. <laughs> and so I had to understand that there were rules that I had to abide by in order to stay in that house. I didn't care how grown I thought I was. I wasn't ready to pay no bills. So if my phone had to be off at 9, it was off at 9. I mean, if, if I needed to fill up the car with gas before I came back, I had, I had to fill it up with gas. It was rules and regulations. The disciples are questioning their leader. They're questioning if he really knows what he's about to do. These are the disciples who have given up everything they had to follow him. They had went through storms, through struggles. They've seen everything that has happened, and now they're here questioning God. Why is it as believers that we would walk so far with God, but when it gets to the point of our breakthrough, we begin to question him? Why is it that we, we will see God bring us over every storm and every obstacle, giving us chance after chance, but when we get to the point where God is calling on us, we begin to question him. Who, me? No, God, you, you missed it. You, you want to use me? No, you want me to do it this way? No. Mm -mm. See, the way my bank account is set up, it, I just don't get my deposit, so I can't get, mm -mm. no, God. Maybe next year. In order to understand that God has greater for you and to embrace God's greater, you not only have to accept God's love, but you have to accept God's supreme knowledge. God knows it all. You may have a thought like I used to have, a time where you want to smell yourself and question God, but you need to keep that internally. Don't allow that to manifest itself externally. Don't allow it to manifest itself to where you begin to rebel against where God is trying to take you. Your rebellion against God only delays your process to getting where you're supposed to be. And I want to make sure that you understand something. One way or another, you're going to get there. The thing is about me is I don't want to delay my time enjoying it when I get there. I don't want to wait until the last minute to get it all together and I get to enjoy greater for a day. 
I would rather exist in greater for the appropriate time that God has for me simply because I have listened to everything that he said for me to do. I may not like it. I may not agree with it. I may not even understand it. But that's what God has asked me to do. Ask yourself, when you have really been obedient to God, did you really understand it? Did it really make sense? Was it something that a normal individual would do? It was always this thing that was outside of the box. If we really want to experience greater, we have to stop trying to comprehend and understand what our mortal minds can't understand. God has given us enough to live by. I, 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 I'm baffled by the latest trend of people wanting to rebel against Christ. I'm, I'm baffled about believers who were screaming about how good Jesus is and because one thing goes wrong in their day-to-day -day life that they just want to turn around and turn their back totally on God. It, it baffles me uh, to see that people are walking away from what they claim to believe in. It puts me in a place to wonder, did you ever really believe? Did you ever really trust? Or were you doing what you felt like you needed to do just to get by? One of the things that God shows us within this text is not only that greater is predicated on his love for you and his knowledge for you, but it's all centered around God's desire. For you, when we look at verse 11 through 16, write it down, catch it in your own time. What happens is Jesus has to take a moment to tell the disciples, listen, Lazarus is dead. And uh, we're going to go and see him. Thomas, Thomas, Doubting Thomas, Didymus. He, he, he says to Jesus, he says to Jesus, listen. If he's asleep, because Jesus said metaphorically at first he's asleep, but I'm going to wake him. And he says, listen, if he's asleep, he can wake himself. Jesus, we don't have to go back through Judea. We don't have to go back through the, through the struggle, through the storms, through the stones. We don't have to go back that he can wake himself. And so Jesus has to take a moment and step back in his divine knowledge and says, no, listen, you're missing it. Lazarus is dead. He's literally dead, and my whole purpose of going is for him to rise. But catch this. In that same text, he says, I'm glad I wasn't there already because now that he's dead, what I'm about to do is going to help you. What I'm about to do is going to fix you. He's, what I'm about to make happen is going to change your perspective on who I am. Am. Why is Jesus saying this? Because there are going to be people who walk with Christ, but they really don't have a relationship with Christ. That, that's a big issue with us as believers. Just because you come to church don't mean you really God's folk. I mean, I, I've seen all type of people work and walk into the house of the Lord. I've seen musicians that don't have no love for God whatsoever. I've seen people that have more love for grandma, and the only reason they come is because grandma come. They sit on the road that grandma got her name on because grandma bought that crew back in 1962. I, I've seen it. I, I know that it, it really exists, and as a result of it, they are in the proximity of God without the experience of God. And so Jesus literally says to them, what I'm about to do is finna bless you because greater is waiting. Greater is there in Bethany. I, I, I need to take you there so that I can help you 
I want you to remember, originally Jesus' promise was for the disciples to become what? Fishers of men. In order for them to reach their greater, there's some lessons that they had to learn along the way. There's some things that they had to see along. This, what he was about to do with Lazarus, was going to strengthen their faith, was going to strengthen their trust, was going to allow them to have the voice that they needed to tell more people about it. So he says, everything that I'm about to do is going to be for you. This week, I was on vacation, man. I had a great time. Thank God for the people that, that came off the cruise ship, and they're here. That show you your pastor talk about the light and Jesus everywhere he goes. Uh, listen, I was on that trip, man, and I'm glad my wife is in the nursery. I want to tell y'all something, man. First lady tried to kill me. I ain't going to even lie. Uh, first lady tried to kill me while I was on this cruise. She took me snorkeling. No, I don't play with water like that. They have these new snorkel masks, and, and they're not the old traditional snorkel masks where you have the little mouthpiece and the goggles. I would never get into the water with that. I would be too scared. It would fall out. I would choke on water. It would not happen. And so they have these full face masks, these full face masks. It covers up your whole face, and it has the this, this spout on top. So no matter what you do, you can bend your head down, and you still breathe. Your whole face is covered. You're good to go. Uh, you tilt your head back in the water. It has a little a ball that plugs the hole so you can't suck in water. So it was awesome. It was a great, it was a great experience. I got into the water, but the problem is it gave me this false sense of confidence that I thought I had. I, I, couldn't, ch I couldn't drown because my whole face was covered. I was floating in the water. Normally, I don't go no more than 10 feet from the beach. I'm good. As long as I can stand, walk back, I'm good to go. But this day, because my whole face was covered up, I just started having fun. I was laying in the ocean. I wasn't struggling, breathing. I didn't have to get up and catch my breath because my whole face was covered. And so I'm out there, and I'm looking at the Dorys and Doras and, and Nemos, and it was all so cool. They were all, I mean, the reef was beautiful. They had these huge fish that were swimming right by us, and it was all good. And I'm just steady floating, I'm just steady floating, having a good time. Before you know it, I, I get to what I began to look at, and it began to look like a motor. And then I can see the rest of the boat. I, I'm right above a shipwreck. Now common sense has set in. If it's a ship up under me, under the water, I'm a little bit too far out. So I immediately, what? I, I lift up my head and I turn around, first lady, at least 150 yards by the beach. And I'm out here in the middle of the ocean. In the middle of the ocean looking at a shipwreck. Why? Because I had gotten so comfortable, I had trusted this mass, and as a result of it, I just went wherever the water took me. I was good to go, and I was enjoying myself, but something happened when I looked up. I began to panic. I ain't going to lie. I ain't scared. I ain't, look, I got scared, and instantly I wanted to snatch that mass off and scream for help, but the thing is, I realized if this mass come off, I'm in trouble. If this mask come off in the middle of the ocean, I look to the left, look to the right, no ships. First lady is there seeing me, and she'll tell you, she said every once in a while I would see his head because the water would come up, he would disappear, and the water would go back down. And I was like, that was not your sign to send me help? <laughs> when have I ever went out that far in the water? And so I'm out there, and I could see her, and I'm literally panicking, backing my head up, gasping, couldn't breathe, but then I had to pull it back to get my breath. Just was like scared. I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it back to the church. Lord, I will never do this again. And so what do I do? Because panic kicks in, I begin to try to swim. Whew. 
pastor going at it, pastor swimming. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking my skills out. KB Polk Recreation Center is coming down. I, I'm trying to swim, but there's an issue. The water is stronger than me. I, I'm trying to swim. I'm using all of my energy, and, I, and no matter how far I go back, the tide goes in and pulls me right back out. I'm scared, y'all. I think that it's over. It's done. I, I, I've had fun. I hope everybody got everything in order. But instantly, it clicks. The same thing that got you out here is the same thing that will bring you back in. So what do I do? I begin to, to let my head down. I put my head in the water, and my breathing was still struggling. I, I was still panicking, but I remember that, you know, when my wife was pregnant, she went through these classes that, that taught her to... I remember that, that, that all of a sudden came back to me in the midst of my storm. Some other storm came back to me and let me know, listen, you can control your breathing in this situation. So I got my breathing under control. Next thing you know, I got my breathing under control, but the ship was there. And so what do I begin to do? I begin to point myself in the right direction, and I started focusing on the fish again. I started focusing on the fish, and every once in a while I would just stroke, find a new fish, stroke. Find a new fish. Stroll. And before you realized it, I was right back by land. Why am I telling you this? When I was in the middle of the ocean, I was so far away from greater. Greater was my safety. Greater was my breakthrough. Greater was everything that I needed. But the problem was there was something in between me and greater. When I tried to figure it out on my own, it didn't work for me. So what did I have to do? I had to put myself back in the same position that was a trustworthy position. For believers, that position is in the hands of God. For believers, that position is saying simply, God, you got me here. You created me. You formed me. You mold me. You have a plan for me. So what do I need to do? I need to be placed myself in your hands. We need to relinquish control of our lives. This is the issue with the disciples. They were finna miss out on something great because they wanted all the control. They didn't want to go back through that area because they didn't want to go through the struggles. You can't avoid what you have to go through. A test leads to a testimony. You can't have a testimony without first having the test. You can't be on the A honor roll without going through something, without having to try to pass an exam. You have to go through just to get to so here it is that we understand that the disciples have already showed us they got it wrong. Even though they were with who was right, they still got it wrong. But the Bible leads us to some other believers, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And in the text, I'm glad to say that if somebody got it right. And, and this is what I want to make sure that we understand. If we're going to move forward and we're going to push forward for greater, not just a greater church, I'm talking about a greater life for us as individuals. This is not about me. This is not just about the life. If I can get you to get it for you, you will naturally share it with me. It just happens that way. If you can get your life to greater, then you won't have a problem making sure that the light is greater. Why? Because you're thankful for where you got greater, right? And so this is what I want to make sure when we talk about this, you find a way to apply it to your greater. What is the greater that God has for you? Where is it that God wants you to go? The first thing that the Bible teaches us is that in order for us to reach greater, we have to first believe that the natural does not overrule the supernatural. That's big, and I need you to really understand that. What happens at, is at face value isn't really face value. 
you have to understand that supernatural always overrules the natural. Why do we say that? When we look at verse 21 and verse 22, Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you would not have been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you asked of God, God will give you. Martha, a weeping sister, says if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. That's my face value. My brother is dead. But then she flips it and says what? I know now that whatever you ask God, he will give to you. Why do we need to understand that? We are going to be in some dark, nasty, stanky situations. And at the end of the day, we don't have to worry about it because unlike Martha, God is always with us. And the fact of the matter is that all we have to do is ask and God will do. But we have to believe what? That the supernatural overrules the natural. That means when your, when your finances are funny and your light bills are due, don't stress about that. You need to be praying for a breakthrough. When your marriage is on the rocks and it seems like you need to be signing divorce papers, you need to be praying, God, let your love overflow into the life that I'm currently living. We have to realize that supernatural always trumps the natural. I know I got some spade players in the house. I don't care if you have the ace of hearts. I could have a two of spades, and it'll cut your card. I, I don't care what you think you got, because I have the one thing that trumps all. No matter what you think you can do, I have the one thing that can overrule it. This is where we have to get to understanding that crazy faith like Martha had. My God is supernatural. There's nothing natural about it. I had somebody ask me the other day. He said, hey, pastor, listen, I'll believe in Jesus if you can show me, show me his grave. Matter of fact, you ain't even got to show me his grave. Just show me some of the disciples, anybody grave back then. And I said, well, you know, that, that, that's the issue. And I, I know once I say what I'm saying, the next thing you're going to say is that we'll build your case without faith. Listen, my, my whole stance is on faith. Uh, I, I need to help you understand that faith is where what got me to where I am. Matter of fact, uh, when was the last time you seen your great 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 grandma? Uh, no, I, I'll never. What is your great 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 grandma name? Uh, I don't know. Uh, when have you seen the grave of your great 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 grandma? Uh, I don't. But your dad is here, right? Your dad is here, so you know that something happened to get your dad here, right? You don't dispute that. You're not looking for your great-great-great-great-grandma. You're not denying that your daddy is your daddy, is you? Simply because you hadn't met her. You know that something happened. Listen, and the first thing, let me educate you. If anybody ever come to you with that, you're not going to find the graves of the individuals. Why? Because they, were, they had martyr death. They were, they were burnt. They were hung. They were all type of things. They didn't want their bodies to be found. Why would you want a disciple's body to be found after you lost the last body that was in your custody? You lost Jesus Christ's body itself. So, no, I'm not burying. You can't put nobody else in a tomb because I don't want to see nobody else rising up again. That's why we're not finding that. We don't even know. They did not label their bodies like everybody else's body. They didn't label their tombs like everybody else's tomb. But yet and still, Jesus is still real. The supernatural overrules the natural. I had the pleasure of telling this individual, and some of my cruise buddies, they're going to hate me after I tell this story. 
But uh, me and Minister Angela, we didn't, I didn't want to miss last Sunday. I was praying. I was like, you know, I want to be with my people. I want to hug. I want to love my people. I've already missed one Sunday. And I prayed, God, you know what? You're going to have to make something happen because I, I don't want to miss this. I tried to talk my wife out of going on the cruise. Just so happened, fall crowded the pier. Fall crowded the pier, and we couldn't leave. We were delayed pretty much two days. And as a result of it, I got to drive back home and make it to Sunday morning service and hug people as they walk through the door, love on people as they walk. See, some people would just chop that up and say, oh, that was just a coincidence. Well, it might have been a coincidence with you, but I know what I prayed for. I know that God knew that I, I, I needed to love on my people. I know that God knew I needed to enjoy my people. And, and it might have been that if we would have left on time, something might have went wrong, and we may not have made it back in the first place. See, it might not have just been my prayer. It might have been somebody else's prayer. But at the end of the day, I know that what happened was supernatural. Uh, man don't control the fog. So supernatural overrules natural. The second thing that the Bible teaches us that we have to be willing to do is we have to be willing to learn while we yet live. That's something major because what happens is that Jesus tells Martha, I mean Martha tells Jesus that whatever you tell God he will do. But catch this, this is what happens in verse 23 through 27. Jesus says, listen, your brother is going to rise again. He literally says that your brother is going to rise again. The issue is that Martha says, no, I, I know, Jesus, I know that there will be a resurrection. I know that the dead and Christ will rise. She looks at it at face value. Jesus then goes back and says, no, he's going to rise now. He, he's not going to have to wait to rise. I'm not talking about the resurrection. I'm talking about the resurrection that's going to happen now. Your dead brother is going to come to life now. What am I saying here? We have to be willing to learn while we live. As believers, you don't know it all. We, she knew about the resurrection. She's heard God's word. She, she's, she's felt God's word. But the, the thing is that we have to understand is that we always have room for more. We always have room to learn more. She has had everything right up to this point. She's fell to her knees and still worshiped. All of this has happened, but yet and still, She's at the point where she's ready to tell God, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but it's not really going to happen. She was about to doubt what God was about to do just because she didn't understand what God was really saying. We won't always understand what God is saying, but God will clarify. If God said it can happen now, it can happen now. It does not have to wait till tomorrow just because man says well, tomorrow is going to work out. It can happen right now. Many of us won't commit to the greater because of the fact that we don't know when it's going to happen. We see, okay, yeah, I know the greater. I'm going to have a, a kingdom in heaven. All things are going to be great. God is going to give me a mansion. No, God has a greater for you here. I, 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 need you to, I need you to understand this. God didn't create this world for sin. God created this world for his son. God created this world for Adam, the one that he, he gave breath to right there in the garden. For Eve, the one that he took the real from and formed. And so if God created it for him, why would he deny them anything here? When we fix our relationship with God, we restore everything that God has promised that we could have from the very beginning. So we have to be willing to learn while we live. I know you may have been to church 10 years, but there's some things that you can still learn. 
I know you may be a Sunday school teacher, a, a, a scholar. You may have gotten your degree in theology, but there's some things you can yet learn. I know your daddy may have been a pastor, but guess what? There's some things you can still learn. How do I know that? Because I'm still learning. Day in and day out, I'm still. As a matter of fact, I just posted online, I'm ready to go back to school. There are always some things that we can learn. Why? Because we don't know it all. The minute that you think you know it all, you are avoiding out what God is about to do in your life. The minute that you think can't nobody tell you nothing, can't nobody pour into you, can't nobody pray for you, then you are putting a stamp of void on whatever God is trying to do in your life. Because guess what? Sometimes your ears are not listening to God. And as a result of it, he has to send somebody that is listening to whisper in your ear just to get your attention. You have to be willing to learn. If you're not willing to learn, then I can promise you, you'll never reach greater. The, th the third thing is we get ready to wrap up in just a few. We have to understand we have to be committed to worshiping, to keep worshiping, even when we are weeping. That is one of the biggest struggles for us as believers. If we can get past the point of understanding that I have to realize that God is God, and we can get past the point and realize that I, I got to learn while I yet live, Many of us don't have the strength to worship while we weep. Something unique happens in verse 32 and verse 33. Therefore, when Mary, this is Mary now, Martha has done her thing. Martha has ran and told, and everything is about to happen. When Mary came where Jesus was, Mary came now. She saw him, and what did she do? She fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and was troubled. Listen, it was not only the weeping that moved Jesus, it was the worship that moved Jesus. Here it was that Jesus had came, he's already dealt with Martha, and now Mary has come, and she's fallen to her feet, and yet and still she calls him Lord. Uh, remember, if, we, if you've been a part of any of our Bible study, when we look at Lord with the capital L, we know that that is making reference to who God is. Not that lowercase L, that little fake somebody. She puts a stamp of approval. Lord, you're my ruler. You're my king. You, you, you are, have all dominion over my life. She makes sure that even in the midst of what she's going through, she still sees God as God. Somebody missed that. Why? Because when you broke, God ain't God for you no more. You're trying to find somebody else to play God. Uh, your boyfriend, your mama, your grandma, somebody else is going to fill this God role. Whoever can provide your needs for you at this moment. We have an issue of when we're going through our most painful moments, we take our focus off of who we're supposed to be focusing on. In the darkest moments of our lives, we look at everybody else for answers instead of looking to God for answers. She, when Martha ran back to Mary, she had the option to stay right where she was. 
She had the option to stay right where she was in her brother's tomb. She could have just said, forget you. I don't want nothing to do with you. You didn't love my brother enough to come and help us. But what does she do? She forgets the Jews that are around her, everybody that's entertaining her. She gets up out of her seat, runs to her Savior, falls to her knees, cries, and just says, Lord, if you would have been there. She has literally cast her cares upon the Lord. She's taking a moment to to show even though I'm in pain, I'm still going to praise you. Even though I'm weeping, I'm still going to worship you. Even though I'm hurting, I'm still going to remain holy. She doesn't allow the situation, the circumstances, to change the way she conducts herself. Why is it that we allow so many things to control how we act? To control how we behave. Somebody just said it. The other day, they better be glad I'm saved. I'm, I'm a different person. Look, they got one more time. I'm a backslide on them. Y'all ain't heard backslide in a long time. That came from the Koji Church back in the day. But listen, we have to get to a point where we really understand that in spite of everything that we go through, our weeping should be a weeping of worship. We should be praising and thanking God. And God, I, I hate that I'm going through what I'm going through, but I know you can fix it. I hate that I'm struggling like I'm, I'm struggling, but I know you can, you can change this thing around. And if you don't want to change it, at least you can mend my heart to make it easier and better for me. He, Mary shows us that in the midst of everything that we're going through, we have to be willing to worship while we weep. Now, listen, I'm telling y'all, this is the keys. We're trying to get to greater. We're trying to get to greater, which means that if God is sitting there telling us the supernatural can overrule the natural, that means that there are going to be some things on this road that I don't understand, but I got to believe that God has it totally under control. If we're sitting here saying we're trying to get to greater, we have to understand that I have to be willing to learn while I'm living. I don't have everything together. I don't know everything. I have to be humble. I have to get up under somebody. I have to let somebody pour into me no matter how much I think I can pour into somebody else. There's a season for everything, and everything has a season. So we have to put ourselves in a position to learn while we live, and then we get to the point that I got to worship while I'm weeping. Why? Because this is not going to be easy. I, I want you to understand that. The enemy don't want you to reach greater. Why does he not want you to reach greater? Because just like Jesus had told the disciples, what I'm about to do is all about you. There are some things that are going to change just because Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember, on his way there, Jews wanted to what? Stone him. They wanted to kill him. But there it is in the midst of what's going to happen. He's going to perform a miracle that's going to change the way a group of Jews look at him. He's going to perform a miracle that's going to confirm who he is with his disciples. In order for him to do that, he has to go through the process, which brings us to the last and final point. We have to be open to allow our problems to develop into our promise. That, that's my favorite part of the text. We have to be open to allow our problem to develop into promise. Why? Because Lazarus had to die to be raised. That was an issue. He had to die just to be brought back to life. It, it, it had to happen. There was no other way around it. He had to put himself up to be the sacrifice so that others could be helped. He had to be willing to allow his problem to become his promise. 
Many of us miss out on our promise, our greater, because we won't allow our problem to transform. Uh, Pokemon was the was the Pokemon Go was one of look at all the kids they looking up they looking up Pokemon Go was one of the latest trends and they would have this thing where you would catch a bunch of Ratatouls and all of these other little Pokemon these these issues and, and they would be these little bitty creatures but the thing is that if you catch enough of them you could sacrifice some of them and feed the other ones and evolve them I know I probably got it all mixed up but at the end they could turn into other people they can turn into bigger things and so Isaiah. Uh, he, he saw me messing with the game one time trying to understand it, and, and I would avoid certain things that I was like, oh, I got two of those. I got three of those. I don't, I don't need that. I know, Isaiah. I know. I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> I would avoid these things, and as a result of it, Isaiah finally told me, no, Dad, you have to sit here, and you have to catch them. And then you take them and evolve them into this, and you feed them this, and they turn into this. He set me in front of a TV. on you. They have a YouTube channel that teaches you all of this stuff. See, I'm not too old to learn. That was still something I had to learn. But guess what? What I thought was worthless was full of worth. What I thought was meaningless, it had no value, I had to understand that just because I didn't know how to use it showed me that it didn't have no value. You see, your test, again, is your testimony. You got to know how to use it. Uh, There's some people that have been through some bad relationships. And the fact that you've been through some bad relationships, you don't realize that God is calling you to a ministry of restoration. To heal some brokenhearted women or men. There there are some people who have been addicted to drugs. And that because you've been addicted to drugs, you don't want to come to church anymore. But the thing is that you don't realize that when you gave your life to Christ, you became a new creature. That was a a resurrection that happened in your life, which means the old things have passed away, and God is trying to take you to a greater place. Uh, Lazarus didn't come back to life and forget he was dead. That was the story. I had to die. Yes, I was dead. They had buried me. It was over. My sister, everybody was crying. The Jews were there crying. But yet and still, I had to die just to be rose again. Some of us, we had to be drug dealers and drug and crackheads just to be counselors. We had to go through those, those bad experiences. Some of us, we had to be in some bad relationships and be beat on to show somebody else how to be strong. We had to go through those things. Your test is your testimony. And the moment that you can realize that, then you can really unlock what God is trying to do in your life. God has greater in store for all of us. It's waiting for all of us. But what we have to do is stop making excuses while we can't get there. We have to stop trying to control how we get there. We have to begin to allow the fact that I have to go there simply because God loves me, God knows more than me, and God has a greater desire for me. And since God has all of that, I know when I get to wherever he's trying to get me, he's going to show me exactly what it is that I need to show. This is not in the Bible by accident. It's there on purpose. Why? Because there was a sacrifice that had to be made so success could be a form. It had to happen, and some of y'all don't remember and don't understand the fact that somebody sacrificed for you. Somebody sacrificed for you to be where you are today. I don't have to go to the cross right now. I can talk about your mama and your sacrifices that your mother has made for you to be where you are. It's so often we grow up and we forget 
the things that people have done for us. Uh, some of us, we can talk about the brother or sister that you called when you were hurting and you were down and you didn't know who was going to help you and get you to where you needed to be. But, but what had to happen? We had to get to a point of our lowest moments to remember where God has brought us from. Catch this. I like to stay low so God don't got to lock me low. I, I like to stay humble so God don't have to make me humble. Why? Because as long as I'm humble, I'm dependent on him. As long as I feel like I don't have value, I'm worthless, only person that loves me is you, I can depend on him. I don't never have to get back to this point because I don't leave this point. God wants us all to be there. Because if I can stay in this point where I'm humble, I'm not trying to tell God what to do. If I can stay in this point where I'm humble, I trust that God loves me. Anything that he does in my life is of great value. If I can stay in this point where I'm humble, then I promise you that God can make me whatever he wants to make me because he's the potter. I'm just the clay. He's molding this thing, putting it together. So, Pastor, what is the synopsis of the message today? Don't doubt greater. Don't doubt the fact that God is ready and willing to do great things in your life. Don't doubt the fact that God wants to make a true transformation in who you are. Don't doubt the fact that God loves you enough, that God is committed, that he has a greater desire for you to do wonderful things. Don't doubt greater. And if you don't doubt greater, then that means that you're willing to live however it is that God is asking you to live to get there. Whatever sacrifice you have to make, whatever commitment you have to make, it's something that you have to do to get where God wants you to be. I can't get to greater for you. To be honest, I won't even get to greater with you. Your greater is your greater. If you don't want it, it's not my fault. But I won't miss out on what God has for me. I don't want to be an individual that was a has-been, a was-been. I want to be everything that God has created me to be. I don't want to miss one moment, one opportunity, because I don't love God enough or because I don't trust God enough, that I'm not willing to give myself wholly and completely to who God is. I don't doubt greater. I don't doubt the fact that God is going to bless us with a 60,000 square feet building, with a sanctuary that seats 700 to 1,000 individuals, a gym that serves our community, a restaurant. I, I don't doubt greater because if I doubt it greater, I'll be doubting God. And I don't doubt God because I know he loves me. I know he knows more than me. I know that he has a desire that goes beyond my understanding. Father God, we come into this place right now. 